This episode is powered by Poddex. What up, fanboys and fangirls and non-binaries? Welcome to another edition of Talking Pop, the podcast on all things pop culture. I'm your host, the franchise. Of course, join me this week is my co-host, Biko. Hello. So, guys, uh, interesting week. Uh, Biko, do you have anything you want to discuss today for this week? Um, nothing too specific. Just a lot of sports stuff. We watched soccer. Uh, I'm just still continuing to watching the NBA playoffs. Um, that's mainly what I've been doing was keeping track of that and watching that mainly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything too specific to talk about. Uh, I just saw a couple political things. Just like I guess they're still. Trump's still on, like, campaign rallies and talking about, like, crap from the, the turning point of the election days of last year, and now Biden has to come out and say that they're lies, and so it's just, like, more crap like that. Just a lot of political theater. Um, but no, i just been watching uh, NBA Finals, and, and we watched the Euro Final this past Sunday. Yeah, I know it's, like, Speaking of the Euro final, it's kind of exciting, but dude, like the backlash that I feel for the players around, like Rashford and all them, apparently, um, I guess there was like a mural of Rashford and it got defaced, but some supporters decided to put up like encouraging notes to him and stuff. Because I understand, you know, it's like the pattern, like, I understand how England's going through because, you know, for, they always get to the semifinals when they get to the final, I understand. But these are young kids, you know, they get, you know, you know, they get you know, all that pressure kind of builds up, so they get nervous. You never know. Penalties are like, it's like a 50 50 when it comes to penalties, and you know, you mm-hmm. can have your off days. And I understand, you know, I love soccer, I love football, but to me, it's getting to the point where um, you take it too seriously. It's like, and then you attack these players, these racist things. Like I said, I, I read a thing, it was on Reddit, and pretty much, you know, they had like, they had a, they had a mural, I think it was like from Nike or something. They rushed they had Russia's face and they, they someone like they face it with some racist racist words like are you serious? But like like for a fact that a lot of supporters came and posted notes like they covered it up as much as they can with like words of encouragement mm-hmm. to Rashford, you know, showing their support. Because like I said, it's you get you got these killing kids, you know, get you know, they get into the bench and then, you know, they cough the bench and then you know, it's like I said, it's all that pressure that builds up making a penalty, you know. That, you know, it wasn't their day. You know, just for a fact, just think about it. They made it to the final. You got to run it up. At least in soccer, they roar you for being second place. You get a silver medal. I mean, it sucks that you gain the trophy, but at least you get a medal, run up medal. I mean, we saw, like, the Copa America final I saw on Saturday, you know, Messi being with Argentina national team for so many years. He's always been to that, that final stage, but he always comes up short. And you saw, you know, that was a tough, you know, game. Between both him and Brazil. Brazil have never lost under home soil in these big tournaments. And they have taken a loss. It was a tough game. It could have gone either way. Argentina got the luck of draw. Made that goal. They held off. The defense was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And in that bittersweet moment when that final was a blue. And you know Messi got to his Easter credit. And all the players crowd, crowd around him. And they all started singing his praises. To the point that Neymar went over there and hugged him and stuff. And congratulated him and stuff. I know it hit him hard. But he, he saw that you know his former teammate finally accomplished you know why he should he wanted to accomplish won a big you know tournament for his national team. 
I mean, this guy's been like you know Olympics, and he's been like the, the like World Cup final twenty fourteen when he lost to Germany. You know, he's been at these tough moments. You know, back to back finals in Copa America in twenty sixteen, losing to Chile both times and in penalties. You know, and he kept saying like the commentators kept saying, "Who knows when he's going to keep doing this again?" Mm-hmm. But he'll get to the point where he's probably going to have to retire from international play. But like I said, that was cool. Like all his teammates crowd around and were singing his praises, and you know, and they're like, like he finally did it. He was finally able to win a major tournament with the national team. So what do you think? Of that? What's your reaction to that, Biko? Um, no, it was uh, good seeing Messi get the international win to kind of add a another cap to his career. I mean, the commentators were just nothing but respectful with that, and just talk about how. It's nice to see him on this stage of uh, different international tournaments and being able to represent their countries, and it's special for each player to do that. And for him having such a uh, successful career um, in club play and international, it was it was something he needed to look for was to finally get a trophy for the international team of Argentina. It was nice to see him take it for win it for the country and the whole guy, the whole squad. It was nice seeing them play um, at least in this. This time around, as uh, a lot of the players of the last decade have are starting to, you know, hit a later age, we're starting to see new and upcoming stars kind of take take place, and so it's nice to see these cups take place in the summer as well, because we get a chance to see these guys kind of prove themselves, uh, or de- depending on what teams they are playing for, you know, they're not able to shine on there, but if they're able to shine in for the respectful countries, that's nice to see that, and in regards to Messi. Um, for seeing how the game ended, it was it was still a good a good match, a very tough and competitive. But um, to see it coming home from us for Argentina was nice, and even seeing all the players kind of congratulate them, it was it was nice to see too. It's a it's a beautiful thing to see that like the team shown that they wanted more, even more for Messi. So it was uh, all around a nice a nice game and. A nice way to cap the tournament. Yeah, it, like I said, it was really nice for them to have that. Um, and I've just been pulling up like new stuff right now. Apparently, um, Deadpool has made a little thing here. I guess a, a promotional thing. Apparently, um, it's from comicbook.com. It says here... Headline says, Deadpool star Ryan Reynolds reveals behind-the-scenes photos from a new video featuring Marvel character. Because as we know, with, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, you know, when, you know, when Disney bought Fox, they were able to get some of the rights back to some of the characters they own, especially on the X-Men side. And then they've been, like, back for what's going to happen to Deadpool. Is Deadpool going to stay the same edgy type person? Because honestly, they, you know, just trying to find a way... To put him in without having to reboot him again, mm. and luckily, I think kind of helped a little bit with with um Spider-Man Far um Far From Home, the whole introduction of the multiverse came to play, so kind of helps with that even for future like you know integrating the characters, you know there's a way for Deadpool. Apparently, I guess um it says here on his article for comment that kind of says. This, Earlier today came a shocking reaction video for the upcoming 20th century movie, Free Guy, which stars Ryan Reynolds and Taka, 
Wasiri appearing in character as Deadpool and Korg. Hmm. Since the roles they play in Marvel movies on the big screen, it's the first time that Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool has crossed over with someone from the MCU to celebrate the occasion. The actor took to social media to show off some behind-the-scenes photos from the shoot. The video also explains the previous season of Reynolds. And one selfie that Reynolds posted include the catch of me thinking about seeing another suit, then realizing Disney owns Deadpool, followed by that, then stealing it anyway. <laughs> and then, of course, um, it's like it says here's the first time Reynolds has been back in a Deadpool co- costume since like 2018's Deadpool 2, which also books for some of the new video. If the choice is here, what city has a more character scenes ran, it's because of them. Both of them appear in Free Guy. Film has been, you know, delayed because of COVID-19. Um, we're ready to appear in Overview together 2011's Green Lantern, but a reaction video to that movie from these two characters from the house idea seems <laughs> less likely this one is saying. But yeah, like, here's some shots, some behind-the-scenes shots. As you can see, he's wearing the suit and everything. And then here's one. This is a picture he's showing, sharing like on Twitter or Instagram, it's like him in the suit. Uh, but there is the video is out for it, and of course, Free Guy. I remember seeing the trailer for Free Guy. It's an interesting concept because it's kind of like it's kind of like the video game esque type of thing. But it's like, what if like an NPC decided to act on its own? That's basically what it is. It's like a what if, because supposedly his character takes place pretty much right Ryan Reynolds' character in the movie film Free Guy. Basically, he's an NPC. In this like multi MMO type game, which is pretty much parroting Grand Theft Auto Online, <laughs> it's basically a parody of it. But he's an NPC, so he's doing over things, and apparently he gets to the point where he questions like you know his purpose because he keeps doing the same old thing day after day after day, and apparently he wasn't into like a user or something. It's just a question. He could do something else more in the game, and like I said, and, like Ron Funches is in there as well. I think Tiger Matiti plays like a, one of the game developers or game producers for it. Oh, nice. I mean, it's supposed to like, yeah, I just got delayed. I want to see the film because it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, there's not that many video game adaptations. I mean, we had like last this year where we had what, Mortal Kombat? Yeah. But with this one, it takes a concept of like a video game, but pretty much, you know, they it books fun at the whole like online MMO type games, but like, you know, at the same time, parody Grand Theft Auto. But it kind of gives the idea of what if the NPCs, you know, have, like, thoughts. They're not being tied down by code that dictates them when they keep doing the same thing over and over again. That's why it's called Free Guy. And it's, I think you see Alex Trebek make his, like, his final cameo in the in trailer. So, like, his final, like, role, cameo role in it. So, I think there was, like, a Jeopardy question or something. And Alex Trebek's on there, of course. R.I.P. Um, and it looks interesting. It's a... Movie. I think it's supposed to come out sometime this year. I'm gonna look it up because I let's see if I look. But the video is out. Looks like they put the video out. Like I said, it's him and Korg, so that's kind of cool. I love Korg. Korg's hilarious. Um, let me see if I free guys called. But I never got into GTA Online because for me it's like like. Then getting into those online games is like you got. It's better to do it with people that you know. But sometimes you could be interested in people online. Because I know Biko have like have you gotten into like have you gotten more into like the online gaming scene? No, I haven't played online forever. Um, so I don't know how it is right now, but I know back then it was a little different and people were a little more uh more vocal on stuff and it was basically Wild West. I'm sure it's like a little similar to what it is today, but a little more regulated, but uh I don't know. I haven't played a multiplayer experience. The only thing I've played online, maybe, uh, 
I want to say, uh, like Overwatch, I've, I've played, like, as of recently, but nothing else. I don't, so I don't, like, talking to people online, no, I don't really play with anyone online. Like, maybe Destiny 2 as well, like, those type of games. The, that online experience is a little diff- different compared to, uh, like, your typical first-person shooters. Like, there's still somewhat of a co-op objective. Like, games like that, I'll still play, but you're still playing with, like, I'm still gonna be playing with like close friends and not play I'm not venturing out really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now that like Overwatch has come out like the beta right now, doing that whole cross platform beta right now. Um I think it did launch and it did like a test between console players and PC players. And what article I read from, but they were talking about how the difference, I think in one match, like the PC players were outranked by the console players. And it kept going back and forth. Um, it's kind of cool how they dialed this beta, this uh, cross-play beta right now. Because I think it's like with PC, Nintendo, PlayStation behind Xbox. And it's cool because you could probably match up with your buddies. I think if you, as long as you connect, as long as you sync like your Battle.net account with your Xbox Live account or your PlayStation Network account, you should be able to find your friends and get connected to them. As long as you have the battle net, all you have to do is sync like your battle net with your online. Like I said, you just gotta go online, and they help you with the instructions how to do it. And I think I did it for the PlayStation. But like I said, I haven't played Overwatch for a long time because I I love Overwatch, but it's like it's kind of hard to find people to play with because I don't know many people on PlayStation Network that plays Overwatch, you know that we know. And it's like I used to play it a lot, but. I know time I do like healing. I usually have like, you know, Mercy's my go-to when it comes to healing. Um, I'm good with, um, Torborn as well because, you know, you can build turrets and stuff. I used to use him a lot. Diva, I used to use a lot when I was Diva. I used her. And there are some good matches where I did pretty good, but like I said, to me, it's like, like, motivations, like, that's why for me, I just got back into just playing like single player, you know, you know, story-based RPG games. That's, that's how I am. Um, there are some games out there. I think like Cold Vein, it's an RPG, but I think you can do online play. And then Monster Hunter World, which I, it's a really good game. Hopefully that could be cross-play soon. Because um, you can play with people online and you know, hunt monsters and stuff. And it's all about the Monster Hunter World universe. Um, but yeah, it's like for me, I haven't done much online play. I used to do Battlefield because I used to know people I used to work with. Yeah, Battlefield yeah. 1. Yeah, I, I played that. I was usually I played with people from work that... I knew that played it and of course our schedules got all changed up so it's all about trying for time but like I'm not discouraged you guys I'm not discouraged you like online playing yeah you could probably meet interesting people doing online playing you know now you got like Fortnite Apex Legends um League of Legends of course if you're on a PC um like I said you just gotta find like your niche and what you're good at I mean yeah you wanna be good but it's like all about also too it's like being like having fun time with your friends if you all live far away I think, I think, like I said, with the pandemic last year, it was a big increase in video gaming and pretty much online play in general. Like, Grand Theft Auto Online is so good that Rockstar, yeah. is, like Rockstar is taking their time, their sweet time, you know, pretty much work, you know, working on the next IP, but at the same time, they're still supporting GTA Online because it still has a big, you know, fan base. And it got to the point where people even use it for, like, role-playing. You see a lot of people, that's why sometimes I watch, like, the videos on YouTube and and they, they build their own servers just for role-playing, and you can uh, apply to be part of it. 
they do like role playing, and they like they had to use the PC version, and they can able to mod it and stuff, add certain things, and you know, add to the servers and stuff. And it's like role play; it's almost like a next generation LARPing. Yeah, yeah, it's just like next generation of LARPing, which is kind of cool. But it's like the concept of online gaming is you take that to like the social aspect of it. So as long as you know people, you know, like it kind of helps. But I just found out for you guys, yeah, I think it looks like it's right now. And that movie looks like it's getting. I guess the new date right now is August 13th. So basically, right now, at this time, recording, basically one month from now. <laughs> so hopefully, we'll finally get to see it in theaters. And I gotta say, that's a movie that I'll probably definitely go try to theaters. I mean, based on the cast list, they got pretty. Um, Successful cast. It looks like they got a lot of like, Twitch streamers on there as well, and people that were on YouTube. I mean. Based on this cast list, um, you got even Jack Stepta guys on there. I think he plays Cubert. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So then Pokemon makes an appearance in there, I guess. It's definitely like the, the movie's directed by uh, Sean Levy, and it looks like it looks real interesting and. Yeah, I'm gonna pull up the IDMDB. Yeah, Alistair Beck's in there, it looks like. Yeah, they got either people playing themselves or some playing as like avatars. All that stuff, so it's kind of cool. But like I said, it's a really interesting concept of the film. It's a really, um... Uh, by Sean Levy, but like I said, the trailer's out, so you can probably check it out on IMDb. But like I said, based on what the synopsis is, especially like I said, Ryan Reynolds plays a character, like an NPC in his MMO. And like I said, one day... He starts questioning, you know, why I keep doing this every single day, you know, I'm at PC, I do the same boring thing. To the point he goes against the users, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts causing shit, and then pretty much gets the attention of social media, gets attention nationwide, to the point, you know, because he runs into this gamer or something. Because he thought she, he thought, she thought he was like another gamer, but it's an NPC. <laughs> so... Yeah, so definitely something we want to check out. But going back to like the Ryan Reynolds thing, the video and stuff, like I said, it's like, I guess it's like a reaction video. It's like a reaction video to it. Let's see here. Yeah, it's basically an updated version of the Free Guy trailer, but with Deadpool and it's with Deadpool and uh, Corp reacting to it. So it's like them reacting to the trailer. Yeah, it says Deadpool and Corp react and. You can check out the video on YouTube as well. And even though right now they said right now they are working on Deadpool three, and Ryan Reynolds is writing the film. I think he's writing it and starring in it. So and even it says here, according to Vegas Hills last, it says it will be rated R. We are working on a script right now. Ryan's overseeing a script right now, so it is in the works. So we are getting a Deadpool three. Hmm. So I'm curious to see who he could bring, who he'll bring. Like now having like Disney backing it. They'll probably have a better budget to be able to get more people. Because I kind of like how Deadpool in the film, the two films, like he kept poking funds, like, you know, he kept poking fun of the, the budget the film's got. Because that's how Deadpool is. He breaks the fourth wall. He comments, he comments on everything. And having Ryan Reynolds, you know, writing it, you know, he gets to put, like, his creative juice into that character. Because, like I said, I can't imagine anybody else playing that character besides Deadpool. Um, yeah. Besides Ryan Reynolds. Because he... 
he's good at it. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else either. Yeah, they, they can take the reins. And like I said, with, with that Disney backing it up and stuff, that's cool to keep it in radar because that's what it should be. And he can have so much possibilities to bring characters. He can even introduce the X-Men to the MCU if he wanted to. With the whole, like I said, with the whole multiverse, maybe we'll see Josh rolling back his cable. Oh, yeah. Is that, he's just Domino making her come back as well. Because even though Josh Brolin, like, basically is dead as Thanos, at least he can come back as Cable. That'd be kind of cool as well. Because basically, if we saw him in Deadpool 2, he's pretty much stuck there. Well, he went back to his old time. But remember, he <laughs> Deadpool worked the device, so they could probably put that into the equation. So, so many possibilities for that. So, yeah, that guys, definitely check that out. Um, but I did find something, dude. I don't know if... Apparently, um, you, I don't, you're a big fan of Smash Bros, right? Yeah. Well, according to this... This is from IGN, and apparently... IGN says IGN, apparently they were the first ones to announce this. This is IGN, Kansasusi announced that Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, a new fighting game featuring characters from SpongeBob, SquarePants, Rugrats, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ren Stippy, and more. It's going to be a freaking Super Smash Brothers parody. But this time, you get to do it with Nickelodeon characters. Mm-hmm. And because the Turtles are basically under Viacom, they're owned by Viacom. That's what they're reading in it. It says the Brawl vs. Sinister Smash Brothers will come to the PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and the Switch in the fall 2021. It's been developed by Ludacity. And Fair Play Games, published by Game Mill Entertainment. I guess they had the reveal trailer for it. And apparently, I guess they got a list of who's going to be in it. But according to this list, the name two names, you got Mikey, Leo, Nigel Thornberry from the Wild Thornberries, uh, Potter Toastman from Ren and Snippy, of course, SpongeBob, Sandy Cheeks, Patrick Starr, Obelina from Mario Monsters, I guess uh, Lucy Lau and Lincoln Lau from The Loud House. Um, Helgo from Hey Arnold, Reptar from Rugrats, Sim from Vader Zim, and Danny Phantom. It says All-Star Brawl will also feature 20 levels based on Nickelodeon shows, including Justice Fishfield from SpongeBob SquarePants, Tiger Drill from Turtles. It'll include single-player, multiplayer modes with local and online support up to four players. It'll also be unlocked new moves for every fighter as well, or bonus content for in-game gallery. So, what are your thoughts on that? There's a lot of rant. Eh, I'm not surprised. Another another brawler that's trying to try to compete. And... You know what? It, it should be fun. I mean, it's different characters this time around. And it's going to be interesting to see how people can come around to see these seven players fight each other uh, that are not, like, I guess you could say in Nintendo, those... Those characters were already in different properties that were revolving around like an action type of genre, like platformers, right? So comparing these characters of all different walks of Nickelodeon life, throwing them in there, and, and it's just like it's like what PlayStation did when they had their brawl or with their people. It's like they're trying to copy the formula, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm not saying that there's a merit, the chance to be up there, because why not? Yeah. There's plenty of brawlers out there that you can find, and they can be just as enjoyable as Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers doesn't have to be only one. You think because with Smash Brothers, due to like, all the years it's been around, that sets the standard for what a brawler should be? 
Yeah, exactly. It's just, it doesn't, it, it set the bar high. I mean, it isn't, I'm not saying it should be exactly that, but it's definitely set the bar high to where it's going to be very difficult to not want to make a game that's just like Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult not to. Yeah. If you guys are hearing meowing, we're taking care of Buddy's cat for the week at this recording, <laughs> yeah. so... Yeah, bear with the little subtle meows. <laughs> so, like you said, it, I don't know, because to me, yeah, it is kind of interesting because, like, you get to see these characters, your characters that you grew up with, you know, you haven't seen in so many years, and now they're, you know, doing this broader stuff with characters from, like, this generation. I mean, I've never heard too much about Loud House, but I know it's really popular for this generation. Got to the point, I think he had, like, spinoffs. Also, too, like the same creators made like a spinoff, like a Hispanic spinoff called Casa Grandes. So it's like a, a spinoff of it, but it's by the same creators of Loud House. And it's got a good following. And, um, well, freaking Nigel Thornberry, you know, from the Vaughn Thornberry's, I loved that show growing up. And freaking Tim Curry, as well as a Nigel man. Macy Sherbair was in it. I mean, they had really good actors in it. It was a cool concept. But. I don't know, dude, because like, I haven't played Brawlers that much. I know you've been pretty much on Smash Brothers. Mm. And I don't know, like you said, maybe people are not going to be burnt out. Because I know there's Brawlhalla and stuff, and, you know. No, I think they'll be burnt out. No. And they try to, like, to put their spin on it and stuff. and But, yeah, I mean, it could work. But, I mean, it's just trying to make that target demographic and stuff for kids. It's like freaking Skyrim, dude. <laughs> it's like there's so much money ports of Skyrim. It's just like Grand Theft Auto Five. It's like there's so many ports. There's still gonna be a PS5 port and Xbox Series X version of it. It's like it's so much you can do with with um, Grand Theft Auto GTA Five with Skyrim too. Because I like lately with Skyrim, you know, I was on YouTube and basically now to the point now I'll even like. Twitch streamers are playing Skyrim now to the point they're going back. Well, they're playing with mods, so... Because now you can do mods on the consoles. Hmm. But even, like, you know... Yeah, you know, like, even with, um... Like, even, like, the Twitch stream, like, the, the VTubers, like, the Life English VTubers are playing Skyrim and stuff, too. And I'm watching them, and... Sorry, buddy. Um, but... So, it's just... It's, just like, really interesting... The way it does, but... Oh, it... I mean, it could work. We'll see how it goes. Like, hats off to Nickelodeon because they always want to do more with their IP and stuff. And, I mean, I know you're not a big Spongebob person. <laughs> no, but I'm not surprised if they throw them in there, right? Yeah, they had to throw them in there because Kyle, he's like one of the faces of Nickelodeon, so they had yeah, to throw I mean, him in there. It was obvious. I mean, you got Rugrats in there, and like I said, like I said, it's just generation. But like I said, it could be interesting. It could be fun, you know. People grew up on the old Nicktoons, and of course, people are watching the current Nicktoons. You know, they can see how their favorite characters going at it. And like I said, here it looks like they can unlock moves and get extra DLC. So, mm-hmm. like with Smash Bros, they always be constantly adding, adding more and more people. Mm-hmm. Well, constantly adding more and more people, and we'll see how it goes. But yeah. What's up, buddy? <laughs> Sorry. Our buddy's cat's a little bit needy. <laughs> you know, he's been fed and he just wants attention. So, um, 
Like recently, I been like, ah, <laughs> I've been watching like, I just finished watching the latest episode of Loki. I know tomorrow, as of this recording, tomorrow is gonna be like I guess the series finale of Loki. I think they're only doing like six episodes. I believe I have to look it up. I'm not too sure, but the fifth episode was kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Um, and basically, I don't want to spoil it for you, dude, but it's really enjoyable. I don't know if you're going to get into it, but it... I'm not trying to tell you what I'm actually spoiling it for you. No, go ahead. Just tell it. So basically, it picks up where pretty much where it happened to Loki at the end of episode 4, where he got pruned, he got sent to... And basically what happens is we find out they get sent to a place where pretty much all the variants pretty much get thrown. Like a pretty much almost like a recycle bin to S-back, to the void almost. And it's overseen by this big, you know, cloud-like entity. Such as an A, I can't pronounce the name right. And pretty much Loki runs into various versions of himself. Very, very versions. Um, we have um, Richard Grant making his guest appearance as the future Loki. Like, old man, basically old man Loki. He's wearing like the classic Loki costume. You got kid Loki. Um, you got an African-American Loki. That's kind of cool. Which you look like he took like, a Thor's hammer. Um, they got apparently an alligator version of Loki. Because it's just an alligator Loki's like head weird. But he under they can't understand him. And you know he's just trying to figure out how to get out of there. And he questions the other Lokis. You know. Have they ever thought you know like a purpose. Like why they got in there. What did they do and stuff. Um, how they end up being where they are. And then. I mean, the older Loki, like old Loki or classic Loki, how they're calling him classic Loki, pretty much what happens was, um, pretty much he ends up escaping from Thanos, but ends up being alone on the planet all by himself. Like he pretty much to escape, you know, being sucked away, pretty much spent isolation mm-hmm. until they eventually found him and grow to the point where he got him isolated to the point where... He grew old, and you know they end up finding him and pretty much pruning him. And then Kid Loki um, ends up killing his brother. Ends up killing Thor. Um, and same thing with the other ones. Like I said, they all get in there, and of course, um, Funko didn't take too long to make Funko pops, but it's a really good episode. And then you see Owen Wilson's character make um, Mobius come in, and it shows like how much of a friendship that Loki had built with Mobius. Because he was happy to hear he was alright and stuff. And of course with Sylphie who's basically the female Loki basically. By the name Sylphie because it's tied to Enchantress. But right now it's just Sylphie so you don't know she's going to be Enchantress. But um, right now as the episode pretty much left off. I don't want to spoil it too much guys. Like I said it's a really good episode. Um, I try to give as much I can without spoiling it a little bit. But definitely catch up on Loki while you can because it's a really good series. I mean, I like these Marvel Cinematic Universe shows because it kind of gives more better character development. They can do they can fight more than just in, than in a regular like two hour film. So here you can you know develop the characters and pretty much stretch out the stories you can to fill the whole the void basically. I know with Black Widow just came out last week and like right now I can. Paid $30 watching on Disney Plus, but you can also wait till like October. I think in October, sometime in October, it'll be available for Disney Plus. 
And I know a lot of people are already like talk, talking about that film. And let's see if I can pull up reactions to it. And look up and see what the consensus is so far on it. Let's see any news about it. Huh. Wow. It's some like, apparently there's some, just like a 50-50 it looks like. Um, it says here, The Verge did a review of it. And this article, the headline pretty much says it's too late for Black Widow. And this is by Alex Kranz through the Verge. Oh wow, okay. Wow, he really Man, he kind of really tears into the film a little bit. Read it. Wanna read what it says? Yeah. Alright. This is the this is actually this is um Well here's what comment he did, like the article, like I said, Eric was written by Alex uh, Kranz. And like I said, um, well, this is how he opens up the freaking arc. It says here, it's hard to be a fan of Mama Sinrag vs. Black Widow. She sticks out like a sore thumb. On a team of superpower guys and Hawkeye, she, and Hawkeye, she fills the last cinematic master manipulator in a weird sexy martial art flippity-flip roles. Her story until Black Widow has been around as nuanced and impactful as that of Smurf but she has been given more to do more than pause in front of explosions or take people down with her thighs. The storylines have been so heavily critiqued. They turn punchline to own right. And it says here, even says here in Age of Ultron, she was crammed into a ham fisted romance with Hulk that was immediately remarked in Thor Ragnarok. Her big swan dive into oblivion and endgame for the sake of the boys. The Avengers is repeatedly mocking her trailer from Black Widow. Then it says here for the first era in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Hasha Romanoff often feels like a big joke. And this attempt to rehabilitate her posthumously feels a far too little too late. Hmm. And it says here in Black Widow director Kate Shortland and screenwriters Jack Schaefer and Ned Benson clearly trying to recontextualize Natasha Romanoff and find a generally interesting character buried under a decade of over-sexualized junk. The problem is that that's really hard to do. This character carries a lot of baggage, way more than Wanda Maximoff, who Shaper handily rehabilitated in WandaVision, which did a great job with that show. And it says here, Wanda can be a bad rep films, but she also is still alive, but in each chapter in her story, she can transform into a dynamic character where once it's beyond one of a handful of middle directors showing on turning you film films. She says Tasha Roma doesn't have the same luxury. She could be can be dynamic because her story's already been told. The only risk is her endgame. She tells Hawkeye she's not a great person, and at the least she could do is kill herself so men. Her boys can live. So, like I said, it says he doesn't like he doesn't put the filmmaker's fault just based on the directors that she that her character was developed by. Mm. He says there's not the filmmaker's fault that Natasha Romanoff has been the sexy Avenger all this time. It's not their fault that Spider-Man got a movie before Natasha. Or that the character is missing from so much merchandise. He inspired multiple hashtags. Black Widow has been short-shifted for years. One film with a handful of very good jokes is always going to struggle to make up for that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's true. I, I knew it was going to be that case. It just it seems like a movie that... Because I, I was reading reviews even earlier this week about it. and It's a movie that I was even discussing earlier with you. It's something that... It's a little too late for it to be out right now. And it's not something that should have been made right now. It just should have been made in the beginning of the universe when they were starting out. Especially when they introduced her in Iron Man 2. And, and knowing how important she is to the, to the story arc throughout this past decade of the Marvel Cinematic Universe being out, you would think that she would add a movie, and now it's just kind of like, alright, great, and it's like, this could have been a TV series, just a little cap of showing a TV show, like a one-off sort of deal, like yeah. they're basically going to do with uh, uh, Boba Fett, but like, it's, it's like, why, I don't know how it's going to help, um, I, I do like which I did overall read is that Florence Pugh got really shining um, reviews reviews on her performance with this movie, which they felt like she had a way stronger performance than Scar and Scarlet, and it just felt like the way the character was, she really honed it to her to her how she felt her personality can shine through, and it ended up being a stronger performance. Just it shone through. So kudos to Florence for that for her career to kind of. I mean, I get the feeling, like, for her, maybe we'll see her again. I mean, I haven't seen the film, but think about they still have, like, we could see a new Avengers lineup. Yeah. That could include her character. Um, And, of course, Spider-Man makes with Tom Holland's deal pretty much with this. And, of course, you know, he's signed for this film, this Spider-Man 3, and also for the next Avengers team up. So it's like... But then you got um, David Harbour coming in as Red Guardian, which is basically like the Russian version of Captain America, which is kind of cool. But like you said, it's something that this should have been done before, you know, Endgame and, you know, and it could have been done even before Civil War. Like you said, it, it, it should have been like something like this. A long time ago. Yeah, we get her like introduction in Iron Man 2, but to me, that's the thing. It, it could have been better. You know, they kind of introduced her in Iron Man 2, and then she was like, supposedly she was working for Tony Stark, and she had to play her part, and, you know, yeah, she kicked ass in a little bit in what she was given during that time, and there was a way to introduce her, but I wish they could have done, like, after Captain America First Avenger, they could have at least brought Black Widow into the thing, and, and because I know it was, like, even in Civil War, or, or even, like, in the previous edge, it was, like, Ultron and stuff, they kept saying, like don't forget about Budapest or something kept that joke kept going on Age of Ultron and then I understand they took that into account of what happened and apparently with this film the base of it like you get that it's supposed to take place sometime after Civil War basically hmm. the way this timeline is it's like, like it says here it's like pretty much it takes place a little bit like in Civil War but at the same time yeah it's great but um but at the same time it's like it's something that like I said should have been done when I took an introducer but it was cool like in Age of Ultron you got to see some of the uh, like flashbacks like the, you got to see some flashbacks that she went through in her training and stuff to be a spy because people forget in the comics like she was an enemy in the comics before she turned and became you know part of the Avengers and um don't get me wrong, I love Scarlett Johansson. She's I don't see anyone else playing her and it sucks like her character got the chip of the deal in Endgame. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. 
Yeah. And that was it. That that was her sacrifice. Like no one mentioned it ever again. That she gave up her life to get the the soul stone or anything. To me, I just I understand like Tony Stark get the big ass memorial, but not you know Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And to the point they couldn't at least get Thor to like make an appearance in that game. That way, could have got people's attention. They'll be like, "Oh, who is she? Who's like, who's this person? How she ties to Natasha?" You know. But to me, I think she, like I said, she got the bomb rap. And like, I'll, I'm looking. I'll, I'll, I'll check out the film once it's available on Disney Plus, or if I have time to go to theaters, that's something you could definitely check it out. Get the proper respect to it. But, but like I said, even this. This realm writer on the verge agrees like I did something that could have been done better because like I said, that character went through so many different directors and her development went all over the place. So, yeah, definitely, guys. You want to check out Black Widow? Like I said, definitely check out for yourselves. Like I said, hopefully once um it becomes available on Disney Plus, we'll probably do a review on it later on to see what we think of it. But definitely check it out because right now it's currently playing in theaters and available on Disney Plus. With uh, Premiere Access. It's like 30 bucks just to play it. I know Ryan the Last Dragon just became available on on Disney Plus as well. So you can check that one out. Um, trying to see what else um, that was coming out here as well. Apparently, I was talking about Skyrim. But apparently, speaking of Skyrim. I pulled up an article. It says here, an Xbox 360 copy of The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim sells about $600. Why? <laughs> it says here, according to combo.com, says a sealed and graded copy of the Elder Scrolls V5 Skyrim for Xbox 360 just sold for $600 from Heritage Auctions. The copy was rated not 9.2 on the water grading scale and happened to be the first sealed copy of the game ever offered by Heritage. It's staggering amount for a game that frankly isn't nearly as old as some of the other video games that have recently sold for hefty amounts. It means we've seen what video games become a big spectacular trend we see with Pokemon cards over the last year, but surprisingly, either way. So, have you ever played Skyrim? Uh, yes, but I wasn't a big fan of it, so I can't really give a... Can't give an opinion on this one. I mean, I have it. I have it for 360. I have it for PS4. I know the PS4 version comes with mods. Um, you can do mods on it. I don't know. It's a game that... It's been ported so many times. Like I said, it's just like GTA V it gets ported so much. It's a game where basically you don't have to... You can do the main quest, but you get sidetracked by so many side quests. It's kind of like Fallout. Because I know you got into like the Fallout mm-hmm. phase. and It's basically the same way. Like You want to do the main plot, but you always get sidetracked by these other things. You get torn away from the main plot. You want to explore these dungeons. You want to explore these caves. You want to, you know... Get your goal like was pretty much away from the plot, just pretty much you know, explore the whole map because it's all about exploration and it's just random encounters that come up. You can get attacked by wolves or freaking mages that come out, or get attacked by bandits. It's like, don't get me wrong, it's a really good game. It's a good aesthetic game. It's like, like if you're a big fan of the Elder Scrolls series, but to me, it's like I said, it gets overly ported so many times. It got to the point where now people are, are starting to play it again. But they're playing with mods, so it's like... I think that's the best way to enjoy it. I mean, if you're into the achievements, yeah, you want to play the regular version just to get the achievements. But for a game, like, if you already played on 360, I would suggest, like, if you just want to play a mod and see how you can do it differently. 
Yeah. Because they made mods where you can have multiple followers because sometimes you can only get stuck with one follower. But there's this mod I have to go back if I want to play again where you can get additional followers or even people made their own follower characters and actually integrate into the game. Which is really cool. And there's one where you can get a ring and pretty much the ring pretty much gives you unlimited health. You can carry unlimited items, unlimited weight. So you'll get, you won't get tied down. Your magic never runs out. You pretty much can't die. It's basically the God tier ring, basically. Um, but that's yeah, like $600, dude, for a Skyrim, like a sealed copy of Skyrim. I know what Pokemon cards are being like the biggest trade right now when it comes to money-wise. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? You think it was worth like paying $600 for a sealed copy of video game? You think comic books would probably be a better choice? Um, right now, I think given the the shift in culture with tech kind of being more behind video games as they were with comic books, mm-hmm. I feel video games are a better investment just because it's closer to that demographic. But comic books are still worthy in value for readers because of the physical aspect because that video game has to still be in good condition. Same thing applies to the comic books collections, if anything. So... I think the video game is better suited for these times, um, but if you're saying 20 years ago, I mean, I feel like comic books would be better suited, because video games are still early. But now that we're like video games are pretty stable and like we're seeing um, those particular like uh, classic video games from like the 90s kind of get um, shoot up in value. Mm-hmm. On the on the markets, like it's interesting to see how that goes, and I feel like that's only implying that people's interests are here to stay when it comes to investing in in classic video games, and albeit whether they just have it collecting dust or or building for their own collections, I don't know what the reasoning behind it is, but the influx of interest in it is. Uh, is something to notice and pay attention to. This past year and a half, people have been really interesting, interested in investing in different means, and um, I've seen different companies kind of establish uh, trading means for different. Um, you can invest in um, art collections now by different artists, such as like Basquiat and things like that. You can invest in these collections now and own a share of your favorite painting. It's weird, but like you can do it now, and so. Um, it's good that I feel like uh, people will be more interested in investing in a video game mm-hmm. as opposed to a comic book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because you do get a lot of like people um, pretty much, you know, they go out there and find because there's so many Nintendo games. It's got to the point like retro gaming has big a big thing. Like I said, Bico with NES and stuff to a point people start making homebrews of NES games. Now they have the technology to do it. And you do sell because you can get the you can 3D print like the console, you know, shells and stuff. And there's like, you, you can probably follow some various YouTubers who sole purpose is to find these retro games. And to me, that's something that doesn't die because, um, you know, with, you know, Nintendo with the whole Switch Online, with Nintendo Switch, Super Nintendo Online, and Super Nintendo Online, that's cool they're able to bring certain games, you know, NES games, Super NES games, and even some games that were even released in the U.S., if they're being here to the U.S., they're only released exclusively in Japan, so they're introducing, you can play different ones, like, um, but like you said, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say video games are become more of a bigger, bigger investment than comic books, and, and like Pokemon, like I said, Pokemon cards become more of a big, you know, money-grabbing, you know, thing, like, type, 
hobby now because with the whole trades and stuff and you know the values of these cars you know rarity cards and um and like i said and for this this is like six hundred dollars for steel sky i'm like that's a pretty good penny so congratulations to here's his options for making money because who knows if that money goes to like supporting a charity or something but you know it's like i said a lot of people do um collect like a lot of like um games Mm -hmm. You know, they probably do like a museum or something or just to have in your collections. I've seen videos of people online that share like the video game collections. So you can find them on Reddit or like the gaming subreddit. They'll show like their collection setups and everything. They look pretty cool. Like they did take their time effort. I've seen like people make like a freaking, someone made a table in shape of an NES controller, which is kind of cool. And it's like, so, like, like to me, video games never will never like, you know, disappear. They'll always be a constant part of life. Because it's one of your means of escaping from reality besides like reading and, you know, watching films and television. And cause like I said, we game, like I said, with me, when I play video games, like, like I said, I like to go with like role playing games or JRPGs because, you know, I'm a big fan of anime, as you know. And role playing games is not bad because you kind of put yourself on the characters, your game based in the story. And. It kind of sucks when you you want to play it, you want to take your time in it, but at the same time, he's got you know that story's got to end. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, let's see something else I pulled up. But let me double check here. Uh, I did. I don't know if you saw Biko. I know last week when I did the episode when I saw, I did mention um, that Nintendo came out with the new. Basically, they're dubbing it the. Nintendo Switch Pro with an OLED screen. Oh, so the new Switch, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know if you got a chance to look at that. Oh, I mean, it's a nice version of the Switch. It looks good. I mean, uh, has a bigger heart. Uh, I think bigger processor, nicer screen. Uh, I think it's a little lightweight, so a little more lightweight. So it's a nice color too, in the blue and and. Uh, it's a good timing, and I think it's supposed to be out in October, so it's like a good time for the holidays to get it. Or if uh, people want to wait, there's gonna be probably bundles coming out around that time too for the new system. So, um, I think it's a good time for Nintendo to release something, considering that um, Xbox and or Microsoft and Sony have released their respective systems throughout the pandemic year. So even though it's still hard to find, yeah. Either way, it's still on the mind of consumers, and so Nintendo. Uh, shouldn't waste time in, in trying to insert something into the zeitgeist of people spending money on video games. And I think the console will be good. I, I'm still in the market for a Switch, so it's something that I was looking at anyways. And uh, just for the, the capabilities it has and the features, I think it's it's a nice purchase for what we get. And people that are more prone to portable gaming, I think it's perfect for them. And like like you said, because you're in a market for a Switch, will you go with this one or you just go with the the, the Switch Lite? What's your more take with gaming? Are you more like a portable gamer or you're more like, you know, be at home? I like both, but I don't mind the portable gamer because you could just, I mean, you can play it anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but either way, I don't know. I feel like I would like, I, I like, I feel like I, I would like this version around because they, they've obviously have worked on the, the things that the issues that were brought up from the first line of switches are released so i think 
Yeah, because I have like yeah, I have the because I think I have the first generation switch, and the battery doesn't last that long. Yeah, like three hours or four hours at most. And I know that when they released the second version, the second gen version, basically, it came with a better battery. And then of course they came out with Switch Lite because you know it was towards people that are more like they want to take their games on the go. Like I said, it's a the Switch was a it's a good like investment because it's you can play at home, you can take it on the road, and there's so many accessories you can get for the Switch. I just the only thing to me it's like the the only thing I hate like I can't agree on is like eighty dollars for Joy-Con controllers. Yeah, it's crazy. Just the pricing wise for that stuff. I mean, if the games were more low, like cheaper, and I drink some water, but if the prices the the prices for like the prices for like the Joy Cons were a little bit better and more affordable, I'm because you still had to buy like the base for the Joy Cons. That sets you a good pretty penny, and um, I think if the prices were a little bit more lower, yeah, it would be more enjoyable. But with this, it's like, I don't think there's many two details. I, I think I talked about it too much, but let me see if I can pull up. I think IGN did look at a review on it, because I guess they got their hands-on hands on touch on it. Let me see if I can pull up more information about it. Let's see here. Uh, it's just a video. Hold on. Let's see. Yeah, let me see if I can pull it up. It's always these like videos. Right? Let's see. Nintendo. I know, like I said last week, I talked about it, but let me see if I can pull it up here. Channel switch. O L E D. I don't know if it's calling the pro or. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I think I found it. Yeah, it'd be cool. I think you got it wrong. Because I did talk about a little bit about it, but the only difference is, yeah, it's a bigger screen. It's a large, like, 7-inch screen and uh, improved kickstand, increased internal storage. Like, it's cool. It's a... Tweets the design, but I think the only thing it has is just it says it's not Switch Pro. According to this Verge article, it says it's not Switch Pro, but it's just Switch with a bigger, nicer screen. I mean, the, for three hundred fifty bucks for it, like, yeah, it's um. No wrong. I love the Switch. I mean, it's nifty. Um, it's a great you know console. Like I said, Nintendo's always going to have that popularity, and Mario's always popular. I mean. Super Nintendo World is like one of the biggest like dreams I want to go see, and I know there's supposed to be one here in Florida soon. Well, when that's gonna happen because of the whole pandemic and you know construction and stuff. But um, yeah, so Biko had to step off for a little bit, guys. So we'll go ahead. Um, we'll go ahead and take care of this ad real quick, and then once we take care of this ad, we will come back and we'll get more. Um, we'll get more of Biko's thoughts about this PC new model Nintendo Switch. So. Be with this guy to take care of this ad, and we'll be right back. 
Hey everybody, this episode of Talking Pop is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episodes starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to check out poddex.com. Make sure you use that special promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your first order. Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or Gamefighter Podcast. Simply shuffle up the cards, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com. Once again, that is poddex.com. And make sure to use the promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your order. Yeah, Beagle, pretty much to correct you on that one, yeah, basically with the Switch, yeah, it's an OLED model, but it's just the screen's a little bit bigger. They pretty much redid the kickstand. And it kind of increased kind of like that storage, so... But important is it's not much of an up... I mean, it's a little upgrade, but... It's like the processor's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. But right now it's going for like 350 bucks, basically. 350 okay. Yeah, see, it's not a bad price for it. I mean, if you look at it, here's a picture of it, so you can see the kickstand. See, like, they kind of really approved it. It kind of looks almost like a Surface. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like the regular first generation Switch, it was just a one little kickstand. There's something there's something they should have done before with the regular model. Right? Yeah, a long time ago, huh? But this is what Nintendo always try to improve upon their thing because, you know, Nintendo's all about feedback, you know, getting feedback from consumers and always trying to appease the consumer. That's what businesses usually do. Um, but yeah, but other than that, I mean... Get this glossy finish and all that stuff. It, I think it's gonna come in glossy. And what's cool, Buzz? Now it says here the dock itself. They added an Ethernet port to the dock now, as well. So you can almost had like that wired connection. But it says here the processor, according to from the from Verge, says the processor is pretty much the same, basically, but the finish is a little. Like I said it's got the brute kicks thing, got a bigger screen, so the pixels about 720. You get for like resolution wise, portable wise. But yeah, it's to me. People are saying it's just an upgraded model, but it's not like it's more bigger. I mean, because I know like OLED, they were working with Samsung on it just to get a bigger screen for it. And I think they went out, reached out to them to see how what they can improve upon it. But like I said, the Switch is still like you know, it's still like a decent model. Yeah, it's still a compatible system to get. Still good. see here I'm like going back to like video games and you know video games getting treated like pretty much like works of art now because like I said <laughs> like talking about that Skyrim thing you know wise it's like all about collecting and stuff and do you see that being like the next big thing besides you know portrait pieces and stuff like because like video games um I think it's just gonna be another avenue for people to have more access to invest in um, cause it's gonna reach to more people, uh, and as, I wanna say the wealth divide separates, people need to invest their money in more things, and, um, if it's one thing I think that helps people want to invest their money, it's things that they kind of understand, which I think is rule number one, is invest in things that you understand, and if, if, uh, for instance, art 
is something the art world is something you're interested in and you know a good amount and like you consider yourself like a uh what you would call it an enthusiast mm -hmm. what it'd be very it'd be very uh illogical not to invest in stuff like that if you feel like these there's certain pieces that you you have the money you can invest in and it's just as lucrative as the stock market so i don't know i could see value in that and and the people dictate the value and as we grow in times the interest changes as more people get exposed to different things um now that the internet kind of blows up your attention span people are into different things so i think the cultural reference uh is going to be a lot different in the next 10 years just because people are watching different things not everyone's watching tv some people just watch twitch all day some people just watch netflix all day some people will stuff cable so like what you consume for entertainment is going to vary now so compared to years ago where people can refer to simple things like like wheel of fortune or something like that is something that all, all most people can pick out right away but yeah i don't know if that's true today or will it be true in the next 10 years um but stuff like that art pieces things like that crossing over to the digital world and investing and stuff like that. Yeah, like, that, yeah, like, like, like NFTs, dude, because I keep hearing that get thrown a lot. I don't... Have you... I, I hear NFTs, like, a lot of people are releasing NFTs, and I don't know if you ever, you know, ever find out what the NFT stands for or what it is for, because, like I said, I keep seeing, like, a lot of things, that, that term, you know, thrown around a lot. I know that just for this, if you buy it, you own it, and you can do whatever you want with it, basically. Mm -hmm. It's just like owning real estate on the internet, really. Like, you own a piece of something significant that a lot of people... It has some sort of cultural significance, so people are going to garner it. Like, for instance, like a certain meme that holds a lot of significant weight in the, in the cultural zeitgeist. Like, people are going to invest in that, and it's... I don't know, it's like invest. it's like, the same, I think I see it the same way people do when they adopt a street. Hmm. Uh, except for this thing, it's more of value, and even though streets, streets do have value, even when you adopt one, it's like, not not a lot of people bet an eye when you adopt a street, it's really nice, but no one really cares at the end of the day. And apparently people care about these things that are not, they're just like, what, they're non-fungible tokens? As it's called? Something like that, like yeah, pronounce the pronunciation's a little weird, but there are things that you can hold on to in the digital world on the internet, really, mm. that you can claim sole proprietor to it, even though you can make copies and copies, but you own the original one, and that makes you a bit, a you know, a big shot because you own the original of something, even if you replicated a billion times over. Like, we're only going to only value the first. Just how, like, you buy movies and you get this original director's cut edition special. Like, if Stanley Kubrick invited you over to his house and he gave you the uncut director's edition of, like, The Shining. His own personal copy that he didn't show anyone. Like, mm -hmm. and you own that. And then you f sell it off as NFT because you convert it onto the internet. Because you wanted it converted to 400, 4K or some shit. Cause you're like fuck this like it's from the fucking 70s so you turn it into 4k and then so now you made this into like a digital thing 
So not only do you own the original physical copy, it's like translating that into the digital world. It's like that. Like you have the original copy of the original copy of Cubix film, but now you made it digital. So it's like having that on the internet. Um, and it's just another route. Like it's more things that not everyone, not a lot of older people understand, but they're going to start throwing their money at it. Cause why not? Mm. And you saw people going crazy in on uh, New York. They were opening up like art brokers while they were posting up like the NFTs for sale. Like there was graphic artists that are making like tons of money selling their shit as NFTs online. Um, and all part of them, it's cool. Like it, it's a way for artists to get their shit out too. So it's just like it's another world where people can throw their money at something. It, 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 it's not any different than people throwing money at video game stuff so it's like DLC in the real world it's weird but new new realms new territories that um, a lot of people in Wall Street don't like because it's gonna shake up the game mm-hmm. and they don't like that because they've been rolling it for years yeah yeah I mean you do have a point I think WWE was doing that too I think they were doing like Undertaker NFTs too for like images of him and stuff you can buy as well like a piece of it they were doing that as well so you can own a piece of the Undertaker since you know he retired last year he retired his character last year and I guess like WWE really started offering like NFTs for his likeness and stuff it's creepy but you can do it mm-hmm. um, I know you were into the UFC I know the biggest thing was over the weekend was McGregor and Poirier. I know you follow up in the May and stuff. Apparently, you know, I didn't watch, but apparently, like, McGregor broke his leg or something. I don't know, broke his ankle, broke his leg or something in the first round. I didn't watch the fight either, but yeah, we were listening to a podcast today that talked about it. He broke his tibia or something, his fibula or something, mm-hmm. like, two, as he was stepping back, so he fell on it, and so the doctor called it uh, a medical stoppage, so it wasn't a knockout. Um, and I don't know, people were just paying attention to Connor kind of doing his usual antics and trying to remain in character. And I don't know, it's just, it seems like it's going to be another fight. Um, it's weird to see. Uh, I'm not surprised he lost again, considering the, like, the way that we talk about it, Poirier was the dominant fighter in this one. And it just shows that, like, Connor, Connor's, like, on his way down, it's like eh, kind of like at the end of his road as far as like him guarding same amount of star power in the UFC and getting big fights. Not to say this wasn't a big pay per view fight, but like the more he loses, the more and more times that he's gonna not gain so much fandom because he's gonna continue to lose. And he's not losing the chomps by any means, but like this is the third fight he's had with this guy. He's lost again, even though he won the first one. And they want to do a, another fight because he wants to continue to fight. So they'll keep giving him these these word matches. And if he continues to lose, it's just nobody likes to see shit like that. Like people who were big shots in the game kind of lose. Like their strides towards the end of their careers. And like he's not young per se in, in, in respect to fighting mm-hmm. level, but... Like, he isn't getting any younger either, so it's just, like, you're going to keep taking beatings for what, dude, just to earn more money, but, like, at the same cost, like, what, if you're going to keep getting concussions and face that shit later down the line in their lives, so, I don't know. 
it's sad to see him lose again, but another good win for Dustin Poirier. Another way, like, they're going to have another fight again. So, like, this little rivalry is not over yet, which is nice because it brings more attention to the UFC and they're going to continue to get popularity. But uh, Connor is being a significant figure. I, I kind of see him the way, like, if he does something, he'll pivot to, I'm not going to say Hollywood like The Rock did, but <laughs> I see him similar to, like, towards the end of his career where they need to do something else because it's, like, kind of over. Like, the thing that you were good at that put you on the map, you're not doing it good anymore. So mm-hmm. it's like, what do you, the one thing you know, and that's why he resorted to, to like more or less trash talking again and saying like, yeah, there's going to be another fight and all this shit. Like, oh, he didn't knock me out. The doctor stopped it and all this shit, but he did break his leg. But nonetheless, it's kind of, it's not, it's not the best thing to watch in sports. Yeah. yeah Cause like that, that's like some wrestling shit. Yeah, I know. There's a big thing right now at Brock Lesnar, apparently... You know, he's doing stuff outside. He's outside the wrestling world. And apparently he made headways because I guess he was working with these guys. I think it was like they're butchers and stuff, but they're butchers with beards. And he's rocking like a ponytail. He's rocking a beard. And people are going crazy. Like, oh, shoot, look, he's doing this. He's working with me. But, dude, people forgetting. Like, outside, like, that's MMA and wrestling he did. He's a farmer. Like, he owns a farm. And he that's what he does. Like, he usually tries to keep to himself, like, you know... Because he's like a family man, he kind of, like I said, like he owns like a farm, and he's not, but like people are going crazy, like, oh, because his first position was just going back to you know WWE, and like honestly, that's something that honestly with the talent that they have and stuff, you know, right with WWE having all those budget cuts and stuff, it's like now you're strapped for talent, and then it's like oh, you you playing budget cuts, and now you're now that WWE's going back on the road, it's like now it's like all of a sudden you don't want to lose these people, and at the same time. You don't want to get a leg up on your competition, but yeah, I saw the thing with Brock Lesnar. I don't know he made headlines because you know he hairstyle and he was doing something like I said, it was like butchers with beards or something. It was just called. He just came. He made headway on it, but right now I just pulled something up. Right now I just saw this interesting on combo.com. Apparently, um, there's a petition to try to bring back Danny Phantom. Yo, that's a fun show. Because I know it says here, a corner article says here, Nick Lloyd have been bringing back some of his shows for the, the last, like, few months, you know, to Paramount Plus. You know, they brought back Car Carly. They're bringing the Rugrats back as, like, a CGI reboot. Um, apparently, Fairly Odd Parents is coming back as a live-action show. Um, but apparently, fans, uh, they put a petition out on Change.org for the return of Danny Phantom. And so far, it says here... It got about over 17,000 17, like signatures. Really? for To to bring Danny Phantom back? I remember Danny Phantom. It's like the same um, creator. It's like no, Butch no, Harmon. I'm, just like, I'm surprised that it's still got a lot of people wanting to see it come back. I mean, it's by Butch Hartman who, who pretty much created Fairy Parents. And he that was like his second IP. And then I think the, the one he did was called was Tough Puppy. It was another one. That he worked on, but with Danny Phantom, I think it still has like that cult following, and just having like seventeen thousand signatures, like holy cow! Yeah, that's impressive. But yeah, I mean, that's something I just pulled up randomly, like right now, just going through the combat dot com and see what like big thing handle. And like I said, we were talking about Nickelodeon earlier anyway, so that Smash Bros. like I don't know, say an homage or kind of like a parody of it. 
Um, and he is mentioned as one of the characters in that game. So, yeah, I enjoyed Dan Pants. I love the music, like the art style. It's the cool concept of it. You know, he has ghost powers. And pretty much he tries to cover all the ghosts that got released through the machine and stuff. And he always has the supporting cast. And like I said, it's that art, Butch Harmon art style and stuff. And it's a really good show. Uh, other than that, um, I don't know if any people, you have anything else to add you want to add? Well, yeah, I just have uh, one last thing. Um, I was reading that there's a... Uh, well, I had the article pulled up. Um, God damn it. I thought I had... So there's going to be a uh, a new documentary coming out about a celebrity chef, author, and uh, world-traveling CNN host, Anthony Bourdain. Ooh. Um, the title of the film is going to be called Roadrunner. Um but it's getting some criticism because it's talking about certain things that uh, don't rub very well um, in reflection to Anthony Bourdain and regards to it doesn't stop it says it stops just short of blaming his girlfriend Asia Argento for his 2018 suicide according to previews of the film but the film suggests that Bourdain became addicted to Argento an Italian actress and filmmaker in the same way he was hooked on heroin earlier in his life said Daily Beast writer Matt Wilstein the implication for Roadrunner is that he would do anything for her, including in ways that potentially hurt him professionally and personally, according to Wilstein. Bourdain, 61, who died by suicide on June 8, 2018 in France, where he was filming an episode of his beloved Emmy-winning series, Parts Unknown. The series made Bourdain a global icon for the way he engagingly thoughtfully explored the cultures and cuisines of lesser-known parts of the world. Bourdain and Argento, then 42, had begun dating two years earlier. Their relationship made headlines as he joined, she joined Rose McGowan, becoming one of the first actresses in October 2017 to come forward and publicly accuse Harvey Weinstein of sexual assault. Mm. Um, Argento's disclosure inspired Bourdain to join her in activism. Uh, the Kitchen Confidential author called out stars and industry figures who collaborated with Weinstein over the years, but who had yet to speak out about his alleged misconduct. He also publicly turned his attention to sexual misconduct in his own restaurant industry and reflected on his own macho bad boy chef personal life, as he told Slade at the time. But it later emerged that they both, Bourdain and Argento, were apparently hiding their own Me Too related secret. Two months after Bourdain's death, the New York Times reported that Argento had been accused of, of sexually assaulting a 17-year-old boy in a hotel room in California in 2013. She was 37 at the time, and the boy was the actor Jimmy Bennett, whom Argento had cast at age 7 in a film she directed. Hmm. Um, she's denied she ever had an inappropriate relationship with Bennett, but she also admitted that Bourdain, afraid of negative publicity, personally paid out three hundred eighty grand to Bennett, who she described as a dangerous person to make him leave them alone. So, um, it's not clear from the previews of Roadrunner how much the film deals with the sexual assault allegations against Argento. She wasn't interviewed for the film. Um, and, uh, this movie actually opens up this Friday in theaters. Oh, wow. Um, and then the director told the Wall Street Journal that he's not saying that Ar Asia Argento caused this suicide. The suicide is private, and I think it's a selfish act. And this is the director saying that. He was trying to paint the picture of the different factor in Bourdain's life at the time of the death. There were many of them, he explained, including the way he had become much more manic and much more depressive. But the film also addresses Argento as one of those factors, according to the Daily Beast. Um, so, I don't know. I, I'm assuming, like, this this documentary is going to cover a lot of parts of Bourdain's life, and I, I'm excited to see it uh, when it does come out. Considering I was a fan of his, and it's going to 
we're gonna start seeing you know articles come out from criticism of film critics watching this documentary I'm sure it's going on festivals and they want to see like what how it's gonna reflect badly on the people around him at that time and H.R. Gentle being his girlfriend you know it's gonna reflect badly at the time but like obviously like the director said I'm, I, 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 it is a very private act I don't think it's selfish I think it's just a private decision that the person makes so mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that like that part of the documentary is gonna reflect differently for for people watching this yeah it's like with me when me when vice released um the documentary on china remember you know her like her story again they they pretty much released all the footage they were able to film because the whole basis of the documentary because basically behind the scenes of the documentary was just following her out she was making her basically just making her come back into like you know possible back into the limelight and her recovery because you know it talks about how she got into professional wrestling and you know, all the struggles that she went through, even the stuff in when she was in WWE at the time, and how she had her demons when she got into addiction, her problems with alcohol, her drug, and you know her struggles. And the kind of documentary kind of shows, you know, they talk to her family members, and apparently, and she ended up, you know, I think a month or two into the documentary they were filming, she ended up, you know, passing away due to an overdose. And it was kind of cool seeing you know, like they were able to release this footage and show for the fact that they, you know she was trying to, she was getting herself better like she was really you know working towards getting better and um, there was one thing you know she was in Japan for a while and got to the point like her visa expired in Japan because after WWE you know she tried her hand and wrestled in Japan for a while and and of course she ended up doing like these adult you know videos and because but. She's still, like, you know, she was still popular. She was still relevant, you know. And but to the point, now that was great that WWE decided to, like, enshrine her in the Hall of Fame. That was great. And, you know, and what she had to go through and, like I said, getting into professional wrestling. But I applaud for the fact that, you know, she tried her best to make a full recovery, but, you know, sometimes people had relapses. But I like for the fact that Vice took a chance to release this documentary. Because they interviewed the filmmakers, our interview in there, the director of the documentary, the producer. Um, I think one of the people who stayed with her before she passed away was there, talked about their, their experience, how he was helping her and stuff. You know, with like yoga, meditation, and try to help her get clean. And like I said, with this with Bourdain, it's like I'm a big fan of Bourdain. I love parts of them, but that's kind of cool how you probably with this documentary see another side to him because like I said it was one of those things those shocking moments where it was surprising that he, he you know committed suicide it's but like you said it's like it's kind of hard to see what he went through and what drove him to make that decision because it could be a lot of factors that affect that decision but Tom is the only person who's going to know it's the person who did it it's like with Robin Williams like to me Robin Williams you know great actor but you know he met his same fate but you know he was struggling I think someone on Reddit posted um, I think it was like the one of the last pictures of Robert Williams before he passed away and it was like a gathering or something and there was a picture of him like talking to people and stuff and the caption said like this was like one of the last pictures taken of Robert Williams before he committed suicide and with this, yeah, it's going to look reflected on Asian or Gentle, but it's like, like you said, Biko, it's like, you know, just to get a story out there. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see it. And it's going to cover his last days because they're in France shooting an episode of this for the show. So it's, it's all a spiral and... and he was dealing with conflicts and thoughts of whether there was an affair between her and some other reporter. It was just like, there's a lot of things going on around to that. that like, it could have been a factor, but I'm not discounting that, but it's just, there's so many things that you could call upon to think why a person would do that. So it's just not, like, it's, it's interesting that the documentary is going to call upon it, but it sucks that, like, the person's going to get reflected in a certain way, but it's... Unfortunately, it's a way that they use to promote said film. So, uh, unfortunately, Asia Argento has to be the person to kind of uh, explain all that situation, what she was getting allegations for, and, and so on. So, I'm excited to see this movie. Um, I, that's why I want to bring it up, just because Anthony Bourdain is a significant figure and, and who did pass away a couple years ago, and. and it's, it's cool that we're getting a documentary about his life um, and leading up to that um, leading up to his, his death and, and I'm, I'm, you know I'm, and I like the title of the movie so I'm, I was excited to see that so I wanted to bring that up okay so before we wrap up I do want to like I said every week I try to do like an anime recommendation or um, what I'm reading as well for this you know I read Pretty much read the light now of the, the manga first, and then start watching the anime. And the anime is now just completed its first season. Thinking next year is coming out for season two, but this came out last year. It's one of the very few anime that came out during the pandemic because last year we didn't get that much anime because of COVID, and this year marking a lot. But this one, you know, this manga barely came out last year here in the U.S. and it just got published in English. Um, it's called Kanojo Okari Rishimasu, or the English title called Rent a Girlfriend. Um, it's, uh, it's a comedy, romance, school shonen. Um, like I said, it ran for 12 episodes. It's currently on Crunchyroll, and they, like I said, they didn't announce the second season. I'm currently reading the manga right now. I'm like on volume 5 of the manga. And basically, it's a it's one of those romances, like I said, I tried to read different genres, and like. I loved it. Um, basically, the whole story is um, Kazuya Kinoshida is a twin. This is snaps from my anime list. Um, right now, my anime list is currently holding a score of a seven point three five stars. I'm probably gonna do a rewatch of it. At the see it sub. I might rewatch the dub version to see how different it can be. Um, basically, the whole synopsis of it is um, Kazuya. This is from my anime list. Kazuya Kinoshida is a twenty year old college student who has a wonderful girlfriend, the bright and sunny mommy. The Nami, but suddenly he doesn't. Without warning, Mommy breaks up with him, leaving him utterly heartbroken and lonely. Seeking to soothe the pain, he hires a rental girlfriend through an online app. His partner is Chizuru Mizuhara, who, through her unparalleled beauty and cute demeanor, manages to gain Kazuya's affection. But after reading the similar experiences other, other customers had had with Chizuru, Kazuya believes her warm smile and caring personality were all just an act of toy with his heart. And he rates her poorly. Aggravated, Chizuru lambasts him for his shameless hypocrisy, revealing her true pert and hot-tempered self. This one-sided exchange is cut short, however, when Kazuya finds out that his grandmother has collapsed. They dash toward the hospital and find Kazuya's grandmother already in good condition, baffled by Chizuru's presence. She asks who this girl might be. On impulse, Kazuya promptly declares that they are lovers. 
forcing Chizuru to play the part. But because he is so hung up on his previous relationship and with Mommy, how long can this difficult client and reluctant friend to girlfriend keep up with the act? Uh, it's uh, basically it's a manga. The studio's by TMS Entertainment. Like I said, it's 12 episodes now, but they did announce a second season coming out next year. Um, and it's the manga itself is really good. Um, the author's by Reggie Miyahima. We I discovered this one because uh, I followed Paolo from Tokyo and he did like uh, one of those day in the life, day in the life um, videos, and he did one with the author of Running Girlfriend, and just he talks about the story a little bit. And I just got in love with the how the characters look, how he designed the characters, and when I found out that they like that work was going to be like available, that like, the manga was going to be available to buy here in the U.S. Of course, I pre-ordered it on Amazon and pretty much picked it up. And it's really good. Like I said, I'm on Volume 5 now. It's a really good story. I do recommend you guys to check it out if you're into, like, you know, romantic comedies. Because I see Kazuya's, like, he starts off in this manga. It's basically a jerk, but kind of reminds me of kind of like a Jack Tripper type person. Because if you ever watch these companies, if you're not, uh, if you're, you're super young, ask your folks about what Three's Companies was. Ask who Jack Tripper is. You understand why. Because he's a dude that... You know, he, he gets broken up from his girlfriend and pretty much, you know... You know, he like, his girlfriend, like, broke him up after dating for a month. And, you know, he's college student, 20 years old, you know, doesn't have a job yet. You know, he's paying living off of what his parents gave him, basically. Um, and he finds, like I said, he runs across this app and pretty much, you know, the, the, the book I'm holding right now, I'm holding right now, it's a picture of Chizuru. And she looks kind of cute in her dress. And pretty much, it's a service where you can rent somebody to be your girlfriend. But it's like one of those like non-sexual type dates, so they pretty much can walk around with you, you have dinner with them, and you just pay them. It's for like an hour. To the point he gets like, I don't know, he gets caught up with it because he has that, you know, relationship. He just got off of a relationship. And to the point, like you said, when I read the synopsis, like he ends up giving her a bad review score and she comes at him for it. And now it's one of those get caught in situations. So he's like, kind of like Jack Tripper. Now he has to keep this lie up. And now she, he wrote... She's ruined to it, so now they have to keep up the, this lie, basically. So every and basically, he has to pay her every time he has to hang out with the grandma to visit grandma in the hospital. So he has to visit grandma every Wednesday, so he's basically has to pay her every time to hang out with him, but also hang out with his grandma because his grandma falls in love with Chizuru. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, this guy finally, this guy got somebody, or somebody finally picked Kazuya because they had a the grandma has a, had like a low standard on him because he, she felt that he was never gonna snatch a girl. But, like I said, check out the anime. It's really well done. Um, you can watch the sub. I think Control has the dub for it. Which, I'm probably going to go back and watch it. But, like, right now, like I said, it holds a score in my anime list at 7.35. The manga is really good. It's, um, right now, they just introduced some other characters as well. Because it's not just Chizuru. Yes, Mommy does make an appearance in there. But other girls are getting thrown into the mix as well. So, now he has to balance that as well. But like I said, if you look at the artwork, the artwork is really well done, and uh, the artist does a really phenomenal job of the story. It's a lot of comedy. Like I said, it's, it's like reading through these companies, but in the modern age, because it takes place like in 2018. This manga takes place in 2018, and it's like I'm reading through these companies, basically. <laughs> I love that show, but definitely check it out, guys. Rent a Girlfriend, Crunchyroll. Go show pick up the manga that's published by Kandansha Comics. It's the publisher for Rent a Girlfriend, but definitely check it out, guys. All right. Um, anything else you need to add, Beagle, before we sign off for the week? Uh, no, that's it.
Alright guys, that will do it for the week. You can follow our backlog of episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and also available on Audible. Want a big shout out to our international listeners. Thank you so much for supporting us. Congratulations to Italy. Your team won their Euro. I know Italy is one of our listenerships. So congratulations. Um, like I say, you can follow us on Twitter at PopTalkin. You can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TalkingPop. You can check out our merch store at Spring.com slash TalkingPop. Um, you can follow me on the socials. You can follow me on Twitch at Twitch.tv slash Franchise 685. I am the casual gamer and pretty much I play RPGs. Make sure you hit that follow button. That way you get notified when I'm streaming again. Um, you can follow me on Twitters at the Franchise 85. And pretty much I post like, you know, whenever I go on Twitch and stuff or just random stuff. Um, but also follow, like I said, you can follow the podcast on Twitter as well. If you want to have any topics or you have any ideas for episodes for me and Biko. Definitely, you can tweet us on there at Pop Talking, all one word. Hey, Biko, any socials you want to share? Mm-mm. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. We'll see you guys again next week. As always, geek on and take care. <laughs>